Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. I'd like you to grab your Bibles tonight, if you will. I'd like you to go to Matthew 13. We're going to use a number of different portions of Scripture tonight. And if you would just move with me and as I move with the Lord, amen. So I'm very thankful for the company of believers that we have the privilege of running with in this house. Wonderful watchmen in this house. You're in the company of watchers and watchmen, mighty worshipers, mighty warriors in this company. And I'm so blessed. And I want to speak to the watchmen tonight <clears throat> that we are alert and we keep our peace as well and that we stay full of courage. Is so needed in this hour. Amen. Before we go to Matthew 13, I want to read out of Ezekiel chapter 33 what the Lord said to the prophet when he called him. He said in verse 1, he says, the word of the Lord, it came to me. This is Ezekiel. He said, son of man, speak to your people and say to them, when you bring the sword against the land, the people of the land choose one of their men and make him their watchman and sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people. Then anyone who hears the trumpet but does not heed the warning and the sword comes and takes their life and their blood will be on their own head. Since they heard the sound of the trumpet but they did not heed the warning. Their blood will be upon their own head. If they had heeded the warning, they would have saved themselves. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that a person's life is taken because of their sin, but I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. Son of man. I've made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you wicked person, you shall surely die. And you do not speak out to dissuade them from their ways. That wicked person will die for their sins. And I will hold you accountable for their blood. That's strong, isn't it? But if you warn the wicked person to turn from their ways and they do not do so, they will die in their sins, though you yourself will be saved. I wanted to let this opening text to sit in our spirit tonight because I believe that however we begin to move prophetically and however we begin to paint the canvas tonight with the Holy Spirit, that we will see through the lens of being the watchers of the Lord that God has called and anointed and appointed us to be, watchmen of the Lord. It's who you are. And in this hour, we cannot afford to be spiritually dull. We have to be very sharp. We have to be alert. We have to be sober. We have to be vigilant spiritually 
emotionally, physically, financially. We are in a very peculiar and a unique time, and we are in the greatest time of human history. Even though we're in the time of greatest trouble and coming into the, the greatest epic trouble the earth will ever know, trouble that will come upon the planet that is beyond anything the planet has, has ever known or witnessed before, we are also in the hour, I believe, of the greatest outpouring of the Spirit that we will see God's strategy in this hour for revival, pure, pure, true revival and awakening. I'm going to go there in a little while. But I want to speak out of Matthew 13 tonight, and I want to begin to read in verse 24. And another parable he put forth to them, and he said, The kingdom of heaven is like one who sowed good seed in his field. And while men slept, his enemy came, and he sowed uh, tares. <laughs> Help me to read the scriptures properly, Lord. He sowed tares among the wheat, and he went his way. Notice that. He sowed, sowed the tares amongst the wheat, and then he ran away. And when the grain was sprouted, be, began to produce a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owners came and said to him, Sir, uh, did you not sow good seed into your field? How, how then does it have tares? He said to them, The enemy has done this. And the servant said to him, do you want us to go and gather them up? And he said, no. No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let them grow together. Don't miss this. Let them grow together until the harvest. And at that time of the harvest, I will send forth the reapers first to gather the tares and bind them in the, into bundles to burn them and gather the wheat into the barn. Jump over to verse 36. And then Jesus sent the multitude away and he went into the house and the disciples came to him and they said, explain to us the, ter the, the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds of the, are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked ones. That's really strong language, and remember that this is Jesus speaking. Jesus is saying that there are tares that are literally sowed by the wicked one. They're sons of a wicked, dark kingdom. The enemy who sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are his angels. I have the feeling in that moment, the eyebrows on those disciples lifted in that room for a moment as they peered at Jesus. Uh, there, there, there was a shift in the atmosphere. The gravity began to sink in. Jesus is really talking now. He's really, he's really amplifying and saying something. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. Make sure you underline that tonight. The reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, 
And they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. Wow. And he'll cast them into a furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Wow. These are not Brian's words. These are Jesus' words. We are rushing to an end of an age. Jesus said that the harvest that we need to see is that when seeds that are planted come to their fullness. We have never seen an hour like this hour. We have never seen the manifestation of the pleasure of sin and corruption like never before in this nation and the nations of the earth. The rights that people are demanding and crying out for that are theirs, it is seeds that have been growing and growing and growing, and now they have grown to full maturity and manifestation. The very sober truth is that God is going to deal with all of this. Are you here tonight? <clears throat> we are looking for how we should respond in this hour. I think we all are. How should we respond in this hour? Everybody wants to respond who is mature with discretion, with discernment. But there is an aching cry coming up out of your soul and out of the soul of this tribe that we know God has prepared us for an hour of unprecedented, pure, holy revival and true, true awakening that literally shifts entire cities and regions and portions of this nation and that we enter in because it is God's strategy for this hour for this time God will shake this nation called America once again we will see the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit a grand awakening hitting this land by the mercies of God I believe it with all my heart I believe that's why I am alive I believe that's why you are alive right now in 2019. I believe you were born. You were born for revival. You were born for a national awakening to behold the glorious wonders and power of God with signs and wonders and miracles and healing and heaven breaking into the realms of earth. Oh, glory to God. I believe we're going to see it on mass scale. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no other answer. There is no other answer. Government is not our answer. We must appeal to heaven now. We need the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit breaking in to this dimension to give witness to our nation that God is alive. We need sweeping revival. We need conviction 
to come forth like when Charles Finney would come forth during the second great awakening. He would preach with such fierceness and conviction that waves of conviction would hit masses of people. Waves of conviction from the Holy Ghost would hit masses of people and they would come running, surging into the kingdom of God to be born again. See, I love what Angela was saying during worship about the corporate anointing. We understand that all of us are, are anointed. There is an individual anointing on us, but there's something powerful that supersedes, and it's the corporate anointing. And the corporate anointing that the Holy Spirit is wooing, wooing, charging this body into is going to take us into a realm and a dimension of power that is going to unleash the kingdom of God in such a way it's going to blow our mind. I believe it. The church has to be strong and rise in this hour. The church cannot be duped. <laughs> I'll just stick with the words of Jesus and the promise of Jesus. He said, The church I'm building. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. In Genesis chapter 4, I believe it's right around verse 7 or verse 9, it says that sin is crouching at your door, yet you must master it. Sin is crouching at the door. Sin, sin has an appetite for you. The enemy has an appetite of destruction for you. The enemy has an appetite of destruction for this nation. Yet the command there is those, those sin is crouching at the door. You must master it. Meaning you must understand. You must walk in your authority over it. Hear that in the spirit tonight. The spirit is at the door. This evil is at the door. This, this rise of government and this spirit of antichrist, it's right at the door. And it's here to try to supersede Christianity. It's here to silence the voice of the church, but it's beyond silencing the voice of the church. It desires to persecute the church. Laws are changing. Laws are shifting. I'm going to go there tonight. Please strap in tonight. Will you, will you stay with me tonight? Please. We've never seen a time like now. There has been persecution on all nations of the planet, but not like the last 100 years. Just in the last 100 years, in the last 100 years, there have been more Christian martyrs for the faith than all time combined. In the last hundred years, there has been more than 70 million Christians killed for their faith. I don't know what that does to you. I can tell you we are living in the last days. Most recently, we have seen a bill that 
came to the floor of the House of Representatives that we have been tracking, that we have been praying about. And the vote happened on Friday. It's called the H.R. 5 bill. Many of you are familiar with it, the H.R. 5 bill. The House of Representatives voted this bill in, and now it must go to the Senate. President Trump has vowed to veto this bill, calling it unconstitutional on every level. And I want to tell you what, thank God for President Donald John Trump. You think for a moment, you think for a moment if this H.R. 5 bill would have landed on Hillary Clinton's desk where we would be as a nation right now. Think about that. We are in a window and a, and a reprieve of mercy from God. And the church must maximize this window of mercy and lean into the place of intercession to partner with God to lose heaven to save this, this nation at this hour. Are you with me? A few things about the H.R. 5 bill. What the LGBTQ desire to do through it. We're going to go back to the scriptures in just a moment tonight. This is not a political rally. You're in a Holy Ghost meeting. You're in a Holy Ghost meeting. But what they desire to do, they desire to empower the federal government literally to impose civil and criminal punishment on citizens who disagree with sexual orientation and gender identity. It's what they call the SOGI ideology. Sexual orientation, gender identity. S-O-G-I. They desire to impose criminal punishment on citizens that disagree with this level of sexual orientation with the LGBTQ. They want to enable experimentation using hormones on little children. Now, we're sitting at Saturday night. Last night, we had 236 of the United States Congress vote this in to go forward to the Senate. It forces, this bill will force all professional counselors, all public, hear this, all public and private schools to affirm same-sex marriage and transgenderism. It will also force churches and church leadership to become compliant to the LGBTQ acceptance in the roles of employment. You think about that. Think about that. It could force criminal punishment on clergy that do not accept the SOGI. Sexual orientation and gender identity. See, I'll tell you what, for me, last night, last night felt a lot like the day that homosexual marriage was licensed in all 50 states of this country and Obama lit that White House up in the color of the rainbow. It hurt. And it hurt in a deep place. See, our society, ladies and gentlemen, is drowning in such epic decadence. Without repentance, prideful glee, no repentance. 
Remember God's strategy is revival and awakening. See, I pray that we never see this past in the law. We know what the House of Representatives have done. We know that it is now going to the Senate. We know that Trump has said he will veto this bill. But you see, they're playing all of their cards and putting it out in the open. This is the agenda. Sin is at the door. It is pushing hard its agenda. So you can't just, you can't have a small little window view of just thinking of this hour. Of, of, of President Trump being in office. And they want him removed so they don't see eight years of him. Or another eight years of Mike Pence or whoever would follow. We have to think this through generationally. We can't, we can't be like Hezekiah when the prophet Isaiah told him that judgment is coming to your children and your children's children. And, he's, and, and King Hezekiah said, as long as it's okay in my day, that will be fine. He was short-sighted because he could only see in the world he was in. We are not fighting and contending for us. We are fighting and contending for generations that are yet to come. Come on, are you with me? See, I pray we never see this signed in the law. But I'm going to tell you what, we never dreamed we would see Roe v. Wade signed in the law 46 years ago. We never dreamed we would see that. We never dreamed it would be over 60 million Babies, lives taken. We never dreamed it. Who would have ever dreamed that homosexual marriage would have been passed and marriage redefined in the United States of America? Who would have ever dreamed that? Who would have ever dreamed that prayer and scripture would have been banned out of America's education, out of the schools of our land, out of the universities, out of the elementary schools, the junior highs, the high schools, the leading colleges of our land? Who would have who would have ever dreamed we would have came to a day to see the scriptures banned and prayer banned from our schools who would have ever dreamed that I ask you tonight who would have ever dreamed we would see such rampant lawlessness and corruption in America and so prideful and arrogant doing it I'll tell you who dreamt it Satan did and he's been the one discipling our nation. My God, church, this has to change. I'd like you to go to Romans 1 for a moment. Just for a moment. Romans 1. I'm going to begin to read in verse 24. It's probably a familiar passage to many of us. It says, therefore God, he gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Are you with me tonight? Are you there? If you're there, say amen. amen. Therefore God gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator 
who is blessed forever. Amen. And for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged exchange the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in lust for one another. Men with men, committing what is shameful. Now, I, I didn't say it was shameful. The Word of God says, the Apostle Paul is writing, this is shameful. And receiving in themselves the penalty of the heir which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debase or reprobate mind. Now let me tell you what reprobate means if you're taking some notes tonight. Depending on your translation, it may say he, God literally gave them over to a debased mind or a reprobate mind. Reprobate means this. It means depraved. It means unprincipled. A wicked person rejected by God. It means morally depraved, unprincipled, evil, condemned. God gave them over to an evil mind. Paul talks about God dealing with people in such a way. Paul even said there was a time for the church to turn people over to Satan because their conscience had literally been seared. And God said, it, it, God said through the apostle Paul, he said, you turned them over to Satan that their flesh might be destroyed and that their soul might be saved. That is strong language, ladies and gentlemen. That makes our false grace churches just cringe up. Because they can't handle the justice of God coming. His righteousness is coming. His justice is coming. And boy, I tremble at it. Even as knowing I am His son. And we are His children. I tremble knowing his righteousness is coming. And they did those things were not, that were not fitting. Verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. That... that that, when I read that, that just, it was like an arrow just pierced through me. Inventors of evil things. We have legislation on the table to try to invent change through hormones of our little children of America. Inventors of evil things. That's wicked torture, ladies and gentlemen. Disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things deserve death. Not only do the same, but they also approve of those who practice them. We've never seen a day like today. We've never seen a day like today. I'm speaking to you tonight as watchmen. I'm speaking to you tonight as fathers, mothers. 
I'm speaking to you as men of God, women of God, mighty patriots for this nation. We have to be very sober. We have to be very vigilant and on our watch upon the wall in this hour. It is going to require an extraordinary level of courage to stay strong and keep the faith in this hour. We are living in a time of such epic compromise, such epic conformity. And God is calling us to stand when many are falling. While nations are bowing down to wicked agendas. Literally, presidents are just bowing down to wicked and vile agendas like this. And we have people last night, men and women elected by these beautiful 50 states, sitting in the House of Representatives saying, this is good. And it's vile evil. So Paul, he writes a, a letter to his son Timothy in the faith. And I'm going to read out of the Passion in chapter 3. And he says, you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will be extremely fierce. And they'll be difficult for the people of God. It's going to be difficult for the people of God. People are going to be self-centered lovers of themselves. They're going to be obsessed with money. They're going to boast of great things. They're going to strut around in their arrogant pride, and they're going to mock all that is right. <laughs> wow. Wow. They're going to boast of great things. They're going to strut around in their arrogant pride. They're going to mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They're going to be ungrateful and ungodly. They'll become addicted to hateful and malicious slander, slaves to their desires. They will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and what is right. With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their deceit. They'll find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of a loving God. They will pretend to have a respect for God. But in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these. I want you to write down the word battles tonight. It's going to get the church excited. <laughs> battles. You going through them? Battles. See, that word battles is plural. It's got an S on the end of it, battles. When you study the Revolutionary War, when you study the Civil War, when you study the Scriptures, throughout the children of Israel of the Old Testament, what you find out is there were campaign after campaign after campaign. You know, it wasn't just that. We, we find one place in Scripture where battle Battle was literally one event. You know what event that was? That was the day that a, a, a young man came delivering cheese to his brothers and started talking. Hey, 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 what's up? What's up? What's going on? Why come nothing? Nobody's moving. You've been sitting out here for 40 days. Remember that? <laughs> Remember that? Remember that? Well, that was an event. Most battles are not events, are they? Not the battles I'm going through. They require campaign after campaign 
after re-strategy of backing up and re-strategizing, looking at it again, coming at it from this angle, walking up on this wall as a watchman, peering at it again, taking fresh eyes, looking at it again, getting up higher with the Lord, getting fresh perspective, looking at it again. Are you with me? Battles require campaigns. What does that mean? It means that it requires you and I to be in it for the long haul. You can't have adrenaline rushes. You have good weeks and bad weeks and good weeks and bad weeks. You have to be faithful. You have to be faithful in the house of God. You have to be faithful on your watch. Do you know, do you know that mothers are faithful? Do you, you don't... Moms walk through the house carrying baskets of laundry, and no one's standing in the hallway going, she is so good at that. I just want to affirm you. I just want to give you validation. You are so good. Uh, Angela, you are so good at folding that laundry, and it's so good. You pour the soap perfectly and it, it suds up beautifully no it I'm I'm joking but you understand when you're faithful in the house no one's standing there and applauding you when you're doing the dishes late at night no one is standing there oh, yo, man, here's your validation card punched there you go you're great you're so good at washing those dishes you load that dishwasher so great George no, it's called faithfulness. I'm thankful when I open my drawers, I have clean underwear. Thanks, baby. I have clean socks. I got clean jeans. You know, you know what that is? It's faithfulness. It's not sexy. But it's doing the work that has to be done. Are you breathing? It's being faithful. Week in, week out, day in, day out, month in, month out, year in, year out. When it's hard, when it's hard, no one's applauding you. You're being faithful day in. You're being faithful as a watchman day and night, night and day to be sober, to be vigilant, to be watching on your watch, to be praying, to be interceding, calling this nation back to God. You're being faithful. We know this scripture well. It's found in Isaiah 60. <laughs> Isaiah 60. It, I could just pass the mic around the room and people could quote it. It says, Arise and shine. Arise, shine. Your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold... The darkness shall cover the earth and deep or gross darkness upon the people. But the Lord will arise over you. Now watch these next words, underline it. And the glory is going to be seen upon you. There it is. The glory... It's going to be seen on you. And the Gentiles are going to come to your light. The kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They gather together. They come to you. Your sons are going to come from afar. 
and your daughter shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and you shall become radiant. And your heart shall swell with joy. One more time. The glory is going to be seen upon you. Write it down. Glory has to look like something. Write it down. Glory has to look like something. And I'm not saying that glory looks like gold dust tonight. And I've seen plenty of that. But I want to talk about a whole nother level of glory. About the very essence and the very character and the very nature of Jesus Christ being seen in your eyes and face and voice and touch. Because in this hour, without a doubt, darkness is covering the world. There's such filthy, gross darkness covering people. It brings us to tears. But he said, while this is going on, the glory of God's going to be rising upon you. What, what, is, what, what am I saying? I'll go back to the front of the train. It's Matthew 13. The seeds have been growing. Wickedness is now growing. Wickedness is now growing in the earth. It's covering the earth. Wickedness is growing up in people. It's becoming fully manifest. But there's something else that has been growing. And it's the glorious radiance of the countenance of Jesus Christ in his sons and daughters that will be made manifest. Hallelujah. And when they are manifest, it says from the far corners of the earth, they'll come running to your light and the glorious radiance of the countenance of God seen and witnessed upon you. See, I'm telling you, there's a realm of glory. See, God's strategy is revival, awakening, and reformation. God pouring out His Spirit in such a way that there's a tangible, tangible corporate anointing of glory where people witness the face of Jesus when they walk into this family. When they walk into this family, they know God is alive. God is in the midst of these people. The glory of God will be seen upon you. And I see it. I see Jesus in so many of you. He's easy to see. <laughs> oh, He is. Glory looks like something. I want to give you scripture for this tonight, and I'm going to go to Mark 4 for just a moment. Mark 4. I want to show you what glory looks like. Can I do that? You all with me? Yeah, you are. I can feel it. It feels so good up here, too. The Lord is helping me. Thank you, Lord. He's helping me. Mark 4, and I'm going to begin to read in 35. Are you there? On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. And now when they had left the multitude, they took along, uh, uh, excuse me, they took him along in the boat 
as he was, and the other little boats were, with, were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat against the boat so that it was already filling. <laughs> but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. <laughs> and they awoke him, and they said, uh, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? Verse 39, ready? He arose, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. The wind ceased, and there was great calm. But he said to them, uh, why are you so fearful? <laughs> Uh, how is it that you don't have any faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Listen, one more time. The glory looks like something. Jesus is in the midst of a storm. I'm talking to you prophetically right now. Jesus is in the midst of a storm. He's sleeping on a pillow. The boat is filling up. You ever felt like your boat is filling? Three honest people in the room. <laughs> you ever felt like, okay, I'll speak for myself. I'm going to raise both legs. Yeah, you felt like your boat is filling. Jesus is sleeping in it. He gets, he gets up, and let's just catch this powerful revelation out of what was abiding within him, came out of him and changed the very atmosphere of what was happening in the dimension. Because Jesus had perfect peace within, he was able to release it and had authority to change everything. The glory looks like something. And in this hour, the manifestation of God's glory in the midst of this turmoil and storm that we are in, it's going to be the countenance and the face, the shine of Jesus and the peace and the resolute stern power of God, the fierceness of his countenance within us to be like lions, not afraid, not running away, but marching towards the battle, marching right in with authority, no compromise. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. And my brothers and my sisters, there is a perfect storm coming to this nation. <laughs> but there are sons and daughters that are prepared for this epic moment. This is our hour. This is our hour. Are you with me tonight? C.S. Lewis I love C.S. Lewis. He said, expecting the world to treat you kindly just because you are good is like expecting a bull not to charge you because you're a vegetarian. <laughs> Some of you feel like you get stars on the fridge of the Father in heaven because you're sweet. And you're nice. You're sweet. Papa's putting stars on the fridge. 
be sweet. I want to tell you, listen, Jesus was a lamb. He's now a lion. In this house, I believe this is a transformational place where lambs become lions. I believe this is a transformational place that we go from just being <laughs> nice to growing some teeth. Some of you are <laughs> you're mulling that one over. But you've been nice for a long time. And God's expecting something supernatural to be released through you. The church has been nice for a long time. Passing out, passing out bottled waters on the streets with the church's logo on it, that's nice. That isn't changing cities. It's not changing cities. But when lambs are transformed into mighty fierce lions and they're bold, and you can see <laughs> the lion's mane on them, when they come in, they have peace in a storm. They have power and authority when everyone else is cowardice. They're able to speak up when everyone is silent. They're able to face the God mockers and the God haters. And I'm telling you, we are ramping up to an hour of persecution that is coming. You're going to have to stand your ground, my friend. You're going to have to stand your ground. You're going to have to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, clothed in the armor of God, ready for battle. I want you to go there tonight, Ephesians chapter 6. I think a lot of people go down a dead-end road when they just focus on warfare. I've said to our church many times, I don't focus on warfare. I don't ignore it either. Let me tell you right now, brother, I don't ignore warfare. I know it's real. I know it when I see it. But what we major on here at Victory is we major on the victory of Christ. We fight the good fight of faith. Because Christ has already won full supremacy. Christ already holds all authority. See, our lives have to be bathed in this revelation. If we're going to be an apostolic church, what do I mean by that? See, the apostles were delivered from the very fear of death and the fear of man because they handled the resurrected Jesus. They ate with him. They put their hands in his side. They put their hands in his flesh. And it delivered them from the fear of death. And they were able to be commissioned that whatever it would require or take, they would not compromise and bow their knee to another God. If Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were here, they would tell you. You know their story. They would tell you. Yeah, you can turn the fire up. You can do what you need to do. But we're not bowing down to worship that. I'm telling you what, we need some of them right now. Yeah. 
We need them in the pulpits of America right now. We need them in the pulpits of America right now. We're not bowing down to that mess. We're not going to compromise the gospel. We're not going to compromise the Lord. We're not going to compromise His Word. We're going to say it. We're going to declare it. Oh, brother, but you got to do it in love. Duh. You ever corrected your kids? When you correct your kids, you correct them in love, but you correct them fierce. You're protecting their very soul. That's what a shepherd does. They stand watch as a guardian over the souls that they shepherd. That's my job. When I stand before God and I'm judged one day, when I stand before the throne of the Lord, I will give an account for how I shepherd you. And I was a guardian, a watchman over your very souls. <laughs> wow. Here we are, Ephesians 6. Are you there? Verse 10, finally... Y'all are excited. Finally, he's finally getting there. <laughs> oh, my God. Finally, Brian, really? Really? Can you round the bases and slide home? Finally, <laughs> my brothers and my sisters, be strong in the Lord. Ha <laughs> ha. And in the power of his might, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, I love that word stand. And for a moment, I just want, I just want to put this in. I want to brand you. I want to tattoo you with this tonight. you got to be able to stand in this hour. See, I, I, I've been raised in the charismatic, Pentecostal, wild church. And they would line everybody up. And everybody's fallen on the floor. And guess what? I have fallen on the floor for real. I didn't, I didn't give people courtesy falls. Oh. Oh, 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 stand up, stand up, Cam. He's like, what, what is Brian about to do? What is he? They're coming down the line, and you've seen people go like this. They're about to be prayed for, and they go like this. You ever see that? They it's a courtesy fall. I've seen that for decades. I want to tell you something. The power of God can put you on the floor. Oh, make no doubt about it. God has stuck me to the floor. He stuck me to the floor so many times I couldn't even get up. The weightiness of God's glory just compounded me on the ground. I couldn't get up. Nobody could get near me. Nobody could touch me. I've been there. But I want to tell you what the power of God can also do. The power of God, it can put you on the floor. But the power of God can make you stand. The power of God can make you stand when everybody else is bowing down. And that's what they're doing, my friends. And that's what they're doing, my friends. The power of God can make you stand against the wiles of the devil. <laughs> Let me tell you why they want to bring this legislation 
because the sons and daughters of God are about to be manifested like mighty lions. And they're going to stand up fierce. And they're going to call it out. And they're going to rebuke wickedness and rebuke evil to its face. You know, I was so proud of Eric Metaxas. How many of you know who Eric Metaxas is? I love him. He got on Fox News. First thing out of his mouth, abortion is a vile abomination of God. I wrote, Eric, I'm so proud of you. My God. Bold as lions. Fierce. Fierce. Calling it out. This is what God says it is. The shedding of innocent blood. It's an abomination. And you know what? It's amazing. It's amazing that preachers of the gospel are afraid to stand in their pulpits and say it. That's amazing. It doesn't give me some adrenaline high. It's not like pushing my chest out. Watch me. Watch me sit. No. It's the word of the Lord, and we should fear it, and we should tremble at it. It's the word of the Lord. See, a lot of Christians... See. Look this way for a moment. A lot of Christians in this hour, they've got to come to grip with the reality of what do they really believe. Most Christians hold just mere preferences on honoring the word. They've just got mere preferences. The scripture and the word of God has to become the final authority in your life. That your life bends and wills to the word. See, if the word of God is not offending you, something's wrong. If the word of God is not offending you, something is wrong. Because the gospel is offensive. You know, I've been, I've been loving Jesus, being in the ministry 24 years. I'm a 40, almost 46-year-old man. Been loving Jesus a long time. But you know what? Jesus offends me. And some of you can't handle that. No, Brian, Jesus loves me. He, he loves me. Yeah, he does. That's the beautiful truth. You know the ugly truth? Jesus will offend you. It's a double-edged sword. The same sword that cuts you is the same sword that heals you. The same sword that prunes you. Is the same sword that delivers you. He's a good God. He's a good God. He knows how to do it right. He knows how to do it right. He's a good God. I love, I love Jesus because Jesus tells us the truth. You know, you know why you love Jesus so much? You, when you read the Gospels, you see he wasn't intimidated. He was never squirming. He knew who he was at all times. Everybody was trying to trap and ensnare Jesus. There he was. Bam. <laughs> That's why you love him so much. He was bad at the bone. Who walks into the temple and just turns over every table and says, this is my father's house, and it will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Who does that? Whoa. He was bad. They couldn't lay a hand on him. 
See, you're, you're, you're just hearing Bible. Some of you are hearing Bible, but you're not putting yourself in the context. You're not putting yourself in governmental buildings to overturn tables and confront evil. You're not walking yourselves into places where you're going to be the face of God. You're going to be the voice of God. You're going to be the hand of God. And you're going to confront evil. See, that's where you got to turn the page. That's where you got to let God write a new chapter in your life. You have to become the will of God. You have to become the will of God. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And therefore, we take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, you stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Aha. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 16. Above all, you take up the shield of faith which is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is, say it, the Word of God. You take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayers and supplications in the Spirit. Circle these words. Being watchful to this end. With all perseverance and supplications. I'm speaking to the watchmen tonight. You are watchful. You gird yourself. You clothe yourself in Christ. In salvation. In truth. In faith. Taking the sword of the Spirit. And you are watchful to this end. And you persevere. With supplications for the saints. And watch, watch Paul's words. As for me. That utterance may be given to me. That I may... Open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. That I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Everybody see that? One more time. As an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Don't just read what Paul is saying. You have to make this your declaration. That I may speak boldly. And that I may speak what I ought to speak. When you begin to take the scripture and pray it. And declare it. And make it your own. It's the song that Gigi and Angela was teaching us tonight. There's authority in the power of your words when you open your mouth and you use it. And when you take the word of God and you make it your own and when you begin to decree it and declare it, the kingdom of God is loosed and power comes. See, I want to speak the word of the Lord boldly. To me, it's a miracle that I can get up and preach boldly. You don't know where I've been. You don't know who I used to be. 
It's amazing that I can get up and preach boldly. It's amazing when I, have, when I don't have a microphone in my hand and I'm not in a crowd, but when I'm, with, when I'm with just a few people, I can speak boldly to them. It was a miracle that I could grab hold of Brett Kavanaugh's wife, Ashley, and look in her eyes and prophesy to her and grab a hold of her and speak a word in due season right there in the Supreme Court hearing. How could I do that? How could I speak boldly the way that I ought to speak? Because I was clothed. I was robed right. I was ready to speak. I was ready to decree, to declare. That's our assignment. It's your assignment. It's my assignment. We're to be clothed in Christ. Am I helping anybody tonight? I want to help you tonight. Why don't you put your Bibles aside, and I've got one last scripture. I believe I gave it to our team, our media team. Don't you appreciate our media media team? I want to read this over you tonight, and this is found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. And then we're going to go back to the front of this train. We're going to wrap it up. <laughs> Wrap it up. Verse 25. You may want to close your eyes and just let it wash over you, or you may just want to read along with me. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. <laughs> See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, how much more shall they not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he promised, saying, yet once more, I'll not only shake the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things which can be shaken, as things that are made, and that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. There it is again. Angela was prophesying that earlier about that which was unseen. Are you tracking with me? Here it is. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably in reverence and in godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Put your hands out tonight. Actually, I'd like you to stand to your feet. Would you do that? Would you stand to your feet tonight? Gigi, would you come for just a moment? Put your hands out. You're the called of the Lord. You're the son and daughter of the king. You're the called of the Lord. You've been washed in blood. The blood of the pure and spotless holy lamb of God. The son of God. The beloved one of God. You've been cleansed by his blood. You have been robed in righteousness. You have been given authority and power that is not of this world. 
you have been given the same very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You are a king and a priest in the kingdom. I bless you tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to become all that you were predestined to become as a son and daughter of God. I bless you to become mighty, bold, and fierce. I bless you to become uncompromising and unyielding to the power of sin and darkness. I bless you to be sober and to be vigilant. I bless you to be alert in the place of your watch. I bless you to be consumed in the fire of the Lord. I bless you to apprehend a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I bless you to overcome grief that grieves and robs from your heart as you watch a nation plummeting into darkness. I bless you to overcome that grief and get to your knees and begin to cry out from the bowels of your soul for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that you were born for. I bless you to be a carrier of revival. I bless you to be a mighty voice and a prophetic instrument in this hour for God. I bless you in this family to run in this tribe and to spread awakening. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. And amen. Let's shout the victory tonight. next moments as we're closing I'd like you to bow your head for just a moment with your heads bowed and your eyes closed I don't know everybody in this room but I want to give an opportunity tonight if you're in here tonight and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ you've never made him the Lord of your life tonight is your night tonight is your night this is the night to give your life to Jesus the Lord loves you. The Lord gave all that he had to give in his son to die upon the cross for you and rise from the dead so that you could be risen with him. Tonight, if you're in here and you have never given your life to Jesus, you would say, Brian, I desire tonight to give my life to Christ. I just want you to lift your hand high so I can see it. If you're in here and you've never given your life to Christ, thank you. I'd like everybody to lift your hands right now. I want you to pray this prayer with me. And I want to pray it along with this man that lifted his hand tonight. I want every one of you to pray. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I open myself to your kingdom. I believe you are the Son of God. 
I believe you were you died for me I believe God raised you from the dead for me and because of that I make you my Lord now and I receive by faith your salvation for me in the name of Jesus amen 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 hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. God is so good. If you just bring it down just a touch, Gigi. Boy, I appreciate you. I appreciate Angela tonight. Oh, my gosh. So good. Many of you came into this night through massive warfare this week. My prayer is that God really refreshed you tonight and strengthened you in the journey in your fight of faith. I'm one of those people too. The warfare this week has been unbelievable. It's been epic. The Lord has helped me tonight. He's so good. He's so good. I pray you're encouraged. We love you. We truly love you. And we love America. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of the Lord. Amen. Good night. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.